Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be here with you. My name is Nayaswami Mantradevi, and this is Nayaswami Krishnadas. And a warm welcome to everyone, especially our guests that are taking our programs at the Expanding Light this weekend, and then everyone on the internet who's tuning in. So I'll read this morning from Rays of the One Light, Commentaries of the Bible and Bhagavad Gita. This morning, the topic is Perfection is Self-Transcendence. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. We begin this week with a passage from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. If ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the tax collectors the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even pagans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. This teaching is a continuation of last week's lesson. To love all equally is possible only by seeing God everywhere, in others as well as in oneself. See whatever comes to you unasked for as a manifestation of his will. Be grateful for the pains you experience, for they are healing strokes of his love. Sometimes healing is affected only by strong measures, but his love for you is manifested in the very attempt to heal. Strive always to be impersonal, as though whatever happens to you were happening to someone else. Persecution gives us the supreme opportunity to deny the thought, this is happening to me, and to affirm our inner freedom from the thought of ego. Don't allow the negative perceptions of others to become your own self-definition. Seek God. This is the true goal of life though how difficult to cling to in the midst of hatred, spite, and persecution. The Bhagavad Gita tells us in the seventh chapter, Out of thousands, one strives for spiritual attainment, and out of many blessed true seekers who strive assiduously to reach me, one, perhaps, perceives me as I am. O truth seeker, Be one among all those thousands who seeks the supreme goal. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. read from Whispers from Eternity, a book of poems and prayers by Paramahansa Yogananda. Today's reading, excuse me, 
endless thrills of delight. I attuned my life with thine. Now my life has become a long, unbroken inspiration. Thy fountain of bliss refreshes and delights me night and day. Whether I be wakeful, fast asleep, or dreaming fondly of thee. Oh, what has become of me? Delight on overwhelming delight. Endless, indescribable thrills of divine delight spray unceasingly over me. O aged nectar, wine of centuries, I found thee at last and will taste of thy sweetness forever, forever, forever. We could probably just meditate now. What a powerful, beautiful reading, succinctly put. So, uh, as Mantradevi announced, this topic is perfection, uh, perfection, (laughs) perfection through uh, self-transcendence. So I was getting ready for this this talk, you know. So I made I sort of started a, a note notepad and I wrote um, trans, uh, uh, transcendence, you know. And I, I spelled it. And I thought that doesn't look right, you know. Dance. It's uh, transcendent and dense. E E N C E. But I thought, but I liked it, you know. Ego transcendence. Because once we do transcend the ego, we're going to be doing what that reading just said. Sort of dancing with Divine Mother, like a chant we used to do years ago. Divine Mother, dance with me, dance through all eternity. So it was a beautiful chant, and that sort of spelled it out as well. Once we're free, we're going to be free for eternity. And that's the motivating factor for us, because often we sort of lament, you know, how did we get in this predicament? And it was a cruel joke, Yogananda would say, Divine Mother, God put us here. But when you think about it, if, not if, when we reach that goal of self-transcendence, we're going to be dancing through eternity with the masters, with Divine Mother, and it will be all worth it, as uh, Yogananda has said. So someone asked for a joke. Now, first though, Ananta, this is a a sort of a carryover from last week. Now, Ananta covered it very thoroughly and very beautifully that we are children of God. We are bliss or our souls are bliss. Essentially, that's who and what we are. Light, bliss. So that's kind of a a Vedantic teaching. That's the goal. I'm going to cover a little bit of the yoga, you know, how to get there. Because uh, that's, what we, that's where we're at, and that's what we have to do. How are we going to realize this sort of bliss that is our nature? Uh, first, I was thinking of this. Uh, I grew up in an interracial community until about I was 14. And there were a lot of blacks. My, my brother was a mission, uh, a teacher at a mission. So he'd always bring these black children home. And we had a, you know, it was very natural for us. Also at that time, the immigration of that time was Puerto Ricans, because I think we had just 
and next uh, Puerto Rico, and many of them were coming to America. So our school had these, uh, these racial types there. So I, I loved, I don't know if you remember the comedian Flip Wilson. I used to love him. And I think this was kind of autobiographical, but he was, uh, had the discussion with this, this professor. And the professor was giving him his heritage. And he says, he goes, you know, your skin is very black because, see, in Africa, the sun is very hot and it's protecting you. He goes, oh, okay. And, uh, and then he went on. And, he goes, and your hair is tight. Because when you're running through the jungle away from wild animals, you can't, you're not going to get caught in the brambles. He goes, oh, okay. And also you run fast because of that very reason uh, of where you, your your roots. And so Flip says, "Uh, well, can I ask a question? He goes, sure, what is it? He said, then what the hell am I doing living in Chicago? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, how this would apply. <laughs> and that we are children of the light, children of bliss, as I said, what Anant had covered very beautifully last week. But we aren't realizing it. Probably more often than not, we are not living in that bliss and not living in that, in that light. And why is that? Because that is our heritage. That's where we came from. Uh, in one passage in the, the Rubaiyat, I think it's Quatrain 54, it, it, it ends with starting at the goal. We all started there. We came from God. And that's where we're going to end. That is the soul. Uh, ultimately, it's destiny and it's cycle. We will end back up in this bliss that is our nature. So this is what Christ was talking about. Be ye therefore perfect. Be ye therefore perfect. It was a commandment. Now I was thinking when he said, uh, uh, eat my body and drink my blood. And it says that in the Bible that thereafter some walk no more with him. Because that was a hard teaching if they even understood it. So I thought when he said this, be ye therefore perfect, I thought he's going to lose a few there as well. <laughs> because that's, doesn't that kind of make us shudder? We, we immediately think of our faults and those things that, you know, sort of limit us and those things which we wrongly identify with. Because it, then it's a fait accompli. We, we have it's self-prophesizing. We have to identify with the light, identify with the bliss, and know that that is our nature. Okay. So I remember once I, I went back to uh, Rhode Island. There was a, a uh, their spiritual new week. And Jyotish and Davy were there and we flew together. And, and I had to give my part and review the teachings. I said, well, how can I review the teachings in a short little talk? So I thought, okay, what is the sort of the uh, common denominator that we should do our techniques with? First of all, do techniques, right? Use them. And uh, I thought, well, that's just where I'll start. We have all these techniques, energization, hangsa, om, kriya, now the higher kriyas. Do them. Do them. Do the techniques. Now I'm talking to you all who do these techniques. But I thought, okay, well then, how can we improve? Yogananda said, intensity is everything. 
Intensity is everything. Intensity of awareness. Be intensely aware of everything you do. So that's what I've been trying to do when I sit to meditate. It's easy to kind of get into the habitual, you know, kind of rote with the techniques. That's not intensity. So we have to do them, period, and do them with intensity. Yogananda said, energization. If you were on a desert island and that's all you knew, you would discover all the techniques from energization itself. Amazing. Then he said, Hong Saw. If you did Hong Saw two hours a day with concentration, with intensity, you could be a master this lifetime. Amazing. Hong Saw. How, how often do we think that's kind of a warm-up, isn't it? The Om technique. Lahiri said, that's the one duty assigned to us as spiritual children or uh, devotees, disciples, children of the light. Listen to the Om. Commune with Om. That's, the, that's what he said was our one duty, overarching duty. Kriya. Kriya the most powerful technique given to man in this yuga. And we have that, that gem in our arsenal, or I like to say constellation of, of our practices, Kriya. Again, Yogananda said, give me some young boys, and if they practice Kriya like I teach them, he'd make sense in that lifetime. Well, we're his children. We're his children. And many of us have been doing Kriya for decades. And we know how powerful it is. So that is the yoga. There's the Shankya, Yoga, and Vedanta. Shankya philosophy, these are three in one. Shankya, Shankya is why seek this light and bliss? If not, we're going to suffer. Vedanta describes the goal. Yoga is how to get, overcome suffering and then reach the goal and realize the goal. So that's the techniques. But Master also said, Yogananda, he said that service was very important and that when we weren't meditating, we should be serving. And there's many examples. And I, lately I've been reading all of the the foremost sort of direct disciples, their autobiographies. And I'm, I'm loving it because all of them, he was directing all of them and in charge of their transcendence, in charge of their realization. Durgama was a beautiful example. She took care of Rajasi Janakananda for 12 years, about six months a year over that 12-year period. And what was she doing? This is a very high soul. And her duties were shopping and uh, house cleaning. And uh, she did all the lifting. All of the lifting. Rajasi wasn't to lift anything light or heavy. Now, maybe Master knew that wasn't, that something could have, maybe he was prone for a heart attack. Who knows? Because there's lots of stories where you don't know why something's happening until later. And then you realize that's why the guru was having it done that way. But just for Durgama's own, own uh, she was willing to do anything. And so she dusted and vacuumed and 
polish the furniture. In those days, things weren't as easy as they are now in doing all these, these chores. And then she also then learned to drive and was his chauffeur, and she carried all of everything in that was heavy, and she did all of it. She said when he was in residence, Rajasi in Encinitas, she, had, she, had, she cleaned his sheets every day, changed his sheets every day. It's amazing, isn't it? So when she would get a little reluctant, unwilling, she thought, I, she wasn't doing this for Rajasi, although in a way she was. He was a great soul. But they were more or less peers. She was doing it for Yogananda. She was doing it for the guru. And in that, uh, he was training her. He was training her. Uh, she had to accompany him to the beach every day. He'd go to the beach winter, summer. He loved fresh air. And she said the steps were so long and she could hardly get up the steps. And she would just say, Om Guru, Om Guru, each step all the way up. And she'd always hang back because Master didn't want him going to the beach alone, ever. And later, years later, one of the people that worked, that had moved on, confessed to another person that he, could, he wanted to have his wife go up to Rajasi and say that he made a pass at her so that they can blackmail him. But he never could because there was Miss Darling always watching. So there you have a Yogananda omniscient knowing what's going on. <clears throat> now Swami Kriyananda, it, those of you that are new, read his autobiography. It, it's just wonderful. The part about him with Yogananda is just, particularly, is just chock full, page after page of stories of how Yogananda trained them. So this one I love, and I'm, you've all read it, uh, that, that are familiar with, uh, you know, Swami's stories. It's when he was, he was new, and uh, he was only 22, and, and uh, Yogananda used to go to San Diego, and give service between Hollywood and church in San Diego every other week, okay, for months. Well, Yogananda got busy, and uh, he couldn't go, and he hadn't gone for quite a while. And so they told the people in San Diego, you know, the devotees, just look in the Saturday San Diego Union, and they'll have it when Yogananda's going to teach there, or, you know, do service. And so Swami uh, was told to put an ad in that Yogananda was going to go there and... and, and uh, give the talk, finally. So they knew it was going to be jammed, you know, packed. It wasn't that big of a church. So he sent it off and put it in the paper. Uh, on Saturday, the day before, Bernard rushes into their room and says, it turns out Master can't go down to San Diego tomorrow. He's sending you instead to do the talk. Well, you could imagine. So Swami goes, me... I've never done any lecturing. And, uh, and then, he, <laughs> then he says, and then Bernard continued with appalling detachment. And he wants you to do a Kriya initiation for someone that Sunday. He goes, I've never, I've only been to one Kriya. And Bernard says, no, you have, you've been to two. <laughs> <laughs> one in 29 palms, 29 palms, remember? And he is. 
yeah, well, like, whatever, you know, in, in our vernacular, you know. So, Swami, uh, he says, you better get going right away. So, he, he has one day, you know, to, to, to go there. And he's never lectured, right? Can you imagine that? So, uh, so he goes down there and he's, he says that he, he got a, 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 a sort of a brush up on how to give an initiation for Kriya. So anyway, he's, he's behind, behind the curtains. That's the way they did it. He said in those days, there's this stage. The minister sat there and there's curtains and it opens. And there the minister is. So he's sitting there. And he can hear on the other side of the curtain mur- the murmuring crowd. It was packed. And he could feel the anticipation. They're waiting for Yogananda. And the curtains opens, and there's this little 22-year-old boy sitting there. And, uh, and, you know, he said gratefully and probably their, uh, through their meditation, it made them gracious and no one left, you know. So he gave his talk, and uh, and then the next day or that afternoon he gave his Kriya initiation. I thought Yogananda is working with he was working with them, just as he's working with us now. You know, the Guru is omniscient; he's here, he's present, and anything we're asked to do, it's coming from him. It's coming from uh, Divine Mother, because we need that. And, and when we get to a point where we can just be willing for e- about everything, we get beyond, is this my dharma? Is this what I'm supposed to do? You're doing it. Do it with concentration, willingness, attention, with intensity. Intensity of awareness should be in everything we do. And I think that will be our salvation, you know? waiting for that big thing we're going to do, it probably won't come unless you take these steps. And look at Durga Ma. Was it ever big what she did? She did everything. You know, Swami did everything, but he was being prepared. Became one of the greatest lecturers of this world is known, in, in our opinion, particularly taking Yogananda's work further into this Dwapara Yuga, globally, and look what we have now. Communities all over the world. And Swami made that happen. So I have my own little story I wanted to share about, similar to the San Diego story. So I was up in Seattle, and uh, we invited Swami to come up to give a service. And Purushottama was up there at the time with me, and we were the ministers. And we, and our our center was too small to hold uh, the crowd that Swami would bring. So we thought, well, he'll just have to do two services. So we did one at like eight and one at ten. And so we're in this restaurant, and and we were reviewing what was needing to happen. And, and so we said, Swami, you're going to have to do two services. He said. Well, I don't think I feel to do two services. I'll, I'll just do one, and you can do, you can do all, can do the other one. I think he was teaching us not to presume on you know what we're going to think Swami's going to do. Uh, so I got up. So I I 
so he could feel my reaction. I'm thinking, they're here to hear you, and you're going to have us talk, uh, one of us. So I got up abruptly and was heading towards the bathroom. (laughs) I didn't want to carry on with that. And he just said, don't stay in there too long. (laughs) So I came back and we, uh, we continued. And so the first talk, uh, the first service, Swami didn't give it. Actually, he did both. You know, he wasn't going to let these people down. So, and I kind of what I figured he would do, but this is the clincher of this story. So, the second one comes, and uh, I was at that one. Purushottam was at the first one. And, and so we're sitting there, and uh, Swami is about to speak. You know, it's his time to get up. Like it's time for the talk. So I'm sitting there and like I kind of settled in for another. Because I hadn't heard him for a while, for one thing. We'd hear him all the time here. But when we all were sent out, we were craving Swami. You know, we missed him. So I just sort of settled in. It's going to be another, you know, talk by Swami. And uh, so I shut my eyes and and he, I, I hear, he turns and says, my name was Bill then. He said, Bill? I said, are you going to give the talk? <laughs> and I, and I, I, I was startled, you know. And I thought, he's sitting here, and I'm going to give the talk, you know. And uh, I didn't know that. I, I had, so... So I had about three feet to get up to the podium and think of something <laughs> with Swami, sta- you know, sitting there. I thought, well, you know, what, am, what was I going to say? That he would, you know, make sure it's good and, and accurate. You know, if I was going to quote him, you know, he work on that. If you know, he's going to be hearing. So, uh, so I, I got up, and I, I think well, I, the flash of intuition was just to give my personal testimony of the teachings. You know, not any deep philosophy with Swami will do that. So I said something, and I sat down, and then Swami got up, and he gave his talk like we knew he would, you know, beautifully inspiring and deep. And later, I, I thought, what was up with that? And Purushottama had Swami called him and said, I want, you to, I want you guys to talk before I do. He didn't, he forgot to tell me. <laughs> I never forgave him for that. <laughs> no, I, I have, I have. Because I think this is forgiveness as well. This is all about forgiveness. Persecution, you know. I didn't get into persecution very much today. This sunny, beautiful day. But I, I guess I should touch on it. It's kind of like Yogananda's talk on, you know, my vacation to Assisi. <laughs> so um, Swami mentioned it in this talk about persecution because we are all going to be persecuted in one form or another. And we are now because the ego is persecuting our soul, keeping us bound in, in littleness, right? Uh, but Ananda has gone through some persecution, you know, our lawsuits and... Uh, and Swami was the greatest example through all of that. 
he love your neighbor as yourself or love those who uh, your enemy, you know, turn the other cheek. And he always, whenever we would, you know, get excited and think of the uh, outrageousness of what we were going through and the attack, we felt Swami's, he said, well, we have to stay in our spine. We have to stay in love. And we have to always still project this love. We have to do the battle because that was the righteous thing to do. But don't fall into sort of the negative emotions that normally would come with that. And he held the line and he was an example for that. And we learned a lot through all of that. And I, so today I would think of the greatest persecution that I could, uh, one, one example would be Tibet. We have Tibet that, that was just, you know, invaded by the, the Chinese and if you dwell too much on what they did there, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to take. You know, I think they had eighty thousand temples, and they have twenty five hundred now left standing. And what what happened to all of the monks and the nuns and on and on? But uh, the Dalai Lama, he's been an example also for forgiveness and. Uh, And he says, this is one quote of his, he says, This is my simple religion. There is no need for temples, no need for complicated philosophy. Our own brain, our own heart is our temple. The philosophy is kindness. And that came from the Dalai Lama after experiencing everything he did. Um, with his people, with his religion. And doesn't that sound familiar? That's what Yogananda said, make your heart a hermitage, your robes, your love for God. That's how we project our teaching. And he said, when they asked him, um, when you're gone, what can take my place? And he said, only love. And so we asked Swamiji something similar. And knowing Master said that, and he was an extension of Yogananda throughout his life, through and through. And he said, kindness. He said, make kindness what we give to others. So I wanted to end with a a, a Gita reading. And before Yogananda's translations came out, he loved this version, the song Celestial by Sir Edwin Arnold. And so Arjuna asked Krishna, He says, what is his mark who hath that steadfast heart confirmed in holy meditation? How know we his speech? Keshava, who is Krishna. How does this man sit? How does he move like other? Which is no. Krishna says, when one, O Prita's son, that's Arjuna, Abandoning desires which shake the mind. Finds in his soul full comfort for his soul. We go into the soul. That's what gives us that bliss. He hath attained the yoga. That man is such. He's transcended. In sorrows not dejected. In joys not overjoyed. Dwelling outside the stress of passion, fear, and anger. Fixed in calms of lofty contemplation. 
such an one is Muni. Muni is a liberated soul. Is the sage, the true recluse. He who to none and nowhere overbound by ties of flesh takes evil things and good, neither desponding nor exalting. Such bears wisdom's plainest mark. He who shall draw as the wise tortoise draws its four feet safe under the shield. I love that image. His five frail senses back under the spirit's buckler, back into the soul. Such an one, my prince, hath wisdom's mark. Mm. 